This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations with host Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anine, hello, I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech, and thank you for joining me for these ongoing conversations, exploring how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Today on the show, how are people connecting to health through what the earth provides? Medicines, plants, berries, maple sap, and more are harvested at different times during the year, and the end of September is the time when we wind down the wild rice harvest. So the relationship between health and the harvest is on our minds. And our guests today work closely with the land to help provide for our community's food and health needs. Megan Schnitker is Lakota and she works with plant medicines. I started learning uh, when I was a little kid growing up uh, next to my grandma's farm. I spoke with Megan about a few things, including the year-long harvest cycle, the rise in the interest in first medicines, and the care that goes into harvesting them. We'll also hear from Matt Smouse, Agricultural Supervisor at the Wajupi Tribal Gardens at the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. For those of us working on the farm who are not community members, it's, it's just been the most meaningful year of our time here. To be able to provide so, something a service so important in a time that it was needed, um, and to feel appreciated and supported in doing that, We talked about how the farm switched operations to providing food boxes to the community when the restaurants at Mystic Lake closed at the start of the pandemic. And we also talked about the effects of COVID on food supply and distribution and how that really showed the significance of the work they do at Wajupi. We'll hear those words that Megan and Matt shared with me, and we'll also hear reporter Melissa Townsend's conversation with Hope Flanagan, who is Dream of Wild Health's community outreach and cultural teacher. Those plants and those animals, what we were told is those are our elders. They were here before us. They know how to live on this earth, and our job is to pay attention to them and find out how are we supposed to live in harmony with this earth. There's a lot of knowledge and wisdom shared here, so I'm really happy to share these conversations today. But first, I mentioned the wild rice harvest. So I'd like to start with these words from Boys Fort's own Chaz Wagner about ricing. Yeah, right now is the best time to go out. It's it's ripening up. It's falling off the stalk nicely. And right now is just the best time to be out if you can get out there. I try to go out at least a couple times a week. Uh, I I feel like that's kind of my destiny, um, and I feel really rooted when I'm while I'm out there. I feel really connected to my culture and to my ancestors, and it just feels good to be outdoors and in the sun and working and sweating a little bit, and uh, I think that really makes you feel alive. Miigwech Chaz up in Net Lake for those thoughts, and now Megan Schnitker. Megan provides cultural lessons through her Mankato Revitalization Project nonprofit, and she also creates products from the medicines she harvests. My relatives, my name is Megan Schnitker. I come from uh, Milk's Camp community, and I greet you with a good heart and a handshake. So outside is where we spent a majority of my childhood 
out in South Dakota. And um, we had to uh, kind of figure out what plants we could use for cut scrapes, you know, things like that. And my uncle was really good at um, describing these plants to me. And as I got older, um, I started learning from my great grandma. She told me a few things about plants and then she passed away and I lost my traditional teacher. Megan spent some time lost as she describes it, but she returned home after some time healing and reflecting. And so I moved back home and I like completely immersed myself back into the culture. And I heard bits and pieces about plants here and there. And then I started asking, you know, myself and the elders, well, what are all these plants that are growing around us? Megan learned more and more about the sacred plants for ceremonies and was also curious about all the other plants around her. In most of the ceremonies that I had been to, we use just, you know, a small handful of plants when there's thousands and thousands and thousands of plants out there. And so I started asking and I'd get stories here and there of what their grandparents used to do, uh, what their, you know, what the, how they used to harvest and then um, I did a lot of a lot of research on my own, so I had to really dive deep into asking people um, and looking at research. And Megan makes sure to pass along her plant medicine knowledge to others. Our elders are getting older, especially mine, and their their knowledge is precious. And unfortunately, I've lost quite a few elders, um, and their knowledge has gone with them. So my whole philosophy in life is to share this, to to find it, save it and share it. And there has been an increase in the number of folks wanting to know more, especially during the pandemic. People are more looking at preventative medicine, which is what, um, you know, our medicine is. And people call it alternative medicine. It's not alternative medicine. It's first medicine. We need people to change their language when they talk about plant medicine. It's not alternative. It's first medicine. Humans have existed for thousands and thousands of years. We need to look back, and, and I'm super happy people are, are looking back towards our preventative medicine, our first medicines, which is plants, and rebuilding that relationship with their food because their food is medicine. So Megan works with plants that she and others harvest and makes sure to take extra care when harvesting. It's awesome that so many people have gained interest in this, but I have had to teach people about it. When I have groups that come harvest, we come and we harvest in a good way. And so um, I ask that they're, you know, that they're obviously sober. Um, they're in a good frame of mind. Um, and they come in the morning, um, we smudge everyone off um, and say a prayer. And we offer tobacco before uh, we go out and harvest because each of, I was taught that each of these plants um, has a spirit and has a purpose. And so we need to respect that. We need to respect the plant in order for them, uh, for them, the plant, to give us their medicine. Because if we don't respect the plant, um, they're not going to give us their medicine. Uh, we just finished elderberry season a couple of weeks ago, um, which is a really popular one. I make three different uh, recipes with elderberries because it's the most popular antiviral, but I also mix more powerful antivirals in with those elderberries, and that's what those other elderberry recipes are. Each plant medicine and food item has its season throughout the year. Our, our mother, grandmother Earth wants to make sure that all its beings are, are well-nourished right away in the spring because sometimes winter is really hard on us. And so those first 
you know, like the, the first purple nettles, those are really nutrient dense. Those are incredibly good food source. You can use them as teas. You can use them as put them in soups and stews. Um, they have a really high calcium content. There's protein, there's iron, there's vitamin K. There's, I mean, all the vitamins are in, are in stinging nettle, purple nettle. It's especially because it's a really powerful first plant that pops up. And so when we are first coming out of camp, we're looking for all those first foods and we're starting to harvest and we're starting to eat those um, to gain our energy. Coming out of winter, it's time to start preparing for next winter, moving from camp to camp. So we stayed um, in places for three, four days before moving on because we didn't want to drain the resources of that area. So we planted um, to follow this trail and we would um, follow the food trail because we planted foods that would be um, really nutrient dense in the early spring and then in the spring and then here comes the summer and we would follow that path and we would ha- eat our food and collect seeds throughout the way and so um, when you're heading into spring um, everything starts to pop up. The cycle of harvest and planting along a camp trail provided food for the seasons to come. And so there's ramps and there's um, pastas and there's plantain and there's dandelions. Dandelions are one of the first flowers um, and dandelions, the whole plant is edible from the flower to the stem, to the leaf to the root. Um, you can eat the whole thing and there's, you know, and each season brings different medicine and it brings different food. And so that whole way, um, Mother Earth is, is feeding us and feeding us more nutrient dense food and more protein and more, uh, more stronger medicine. And so towards the fall, we would have, uh, we would start to be gathering more heavier food to save and to take with us to our winter camps. And as they got closer to winter camps? Once we were at our winter camp, then we could start to stockpile food because um, we weren't going to go anywhere. And so we really started to stockpile the, the squashes, um, the seeds, the dried meats, um, and things like that, that we have been slowly stockpiling throughout the, the warm season, you know, our root vegetables throughout the, the winter. Big thank you to Megan Schnicker for sharing her story and talking about the beautifully sophisticated medicines the earth provides and how planting and harvesting is a year-round circular process. Find out more about Megan Schnicker and her work on Facebook and at MankatoRevitalizationProject.org. And that's spelled M-A-H-K-A-T-O, RevitalizationProject.org, and LakotaMade.com. Next, Wajupi Tribal Gardens is owned and operated by the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux community. And I recently spoke with Matt Smaus, who manages the farm. We talked about the farm and how it adjusted operations during the pandemic and the role it has in the community, especially during COVID. I'm Matt Smaus, and I am the farm manager of Wajupi, agricultural supervisor. I oversee all the operations of the farm and make sure that it intersects with the needs of the community. And there are people here that know more about almost each part of the farm than me, but I know a little bit about all of it and know how it all comes together. And Wajupi first came together about a decade ago. We are a small farm that was, you know, built around several notions, including food sovereignty, um, meeting the need for local 
fresh local food, which wasn't, you know, present always here. Um, and then the interest of community members to be involved in agriculture and elements of traditional food um, and to have their, their kids and their families involved in that connection to the land. We try to either meet an excitement about healthy food or um, help to expand the excitement around healthy food by just making it really good and really available. We're actually trying to figure out what did this particular tribe, what did these people actually do and what are, are true elements of their heritage and um, that's been sort of the push recently. That's very interesting because you've got to do a lot of detective work. Any uh, interesting findings so far? There was a lot more foraging and hunting. And mm-hmm. so, so things like the prairie turnips, which are a traditional food that grows in prairies, uh, there, there aren't many healthy harvestable stands of that that are available. So we've been really starting to grow out a population of prairie turnips, which we hope to get established at sufficient numbers out in one of the restored prairies here that it can be harvested. And speaking of harvest, as we talked about earlier with Megan Schnicker, harvest happens all year long. But as we're entering fall... Harvest season still has its, its very distinct feel and some of the really important crops come in in harvest season. But for a small intensive vegetable farm, you know, our first harvests were early May. <laughs> and um, we've been kicking out delivery boxes ever since then without, without a, a gap, you know, every week. So fall is the time that, you know, traditionally a lot of things like winter squash, uh, flint corns, grain corns, um, these real sta- staple crop potatoes, right? Um, these which aren't native to the, well, they are native to the new world, not this region, you know, the Andes, but... Uh, it's the time that a lot of those crops came in. And obviously, when you're growing all your own food, those crops have a primary importance. Matt tells me Wajupi raises bees, harvests maple sap, and raises hens for eggs. Um, and then we do herbs, orchard fruits, including apples and pears. And mostly other than that is fresh produce. So everything, you know, 40 plus crops, everything from salad greens to broccoli to melons, you know, to tomatoes. (laughs) During the pandemic, there's been a spotlight on food. Items were missing from the shelves at the supermarkets. Limits on purchasing were put in place. I tried buying a bunch of potatoes back in April and could only purchase one bag. And we're just not used to seeing that. And when a food system has disruptions and citizens witness those disruptions, we get worried. We're on people's minds. We're providing services that are important. Uh, we have a lot of involvement and direction, a lot more than we had for some years. Uh, and all that's just wonderful. So early on when the pandemic started, we were able to touch base with people. And being a small farm, um, we're able to respond pretty nimbly and redirect a lot of our products and services towards really meeting very real needs then. And so some of our production that was going to be for the casino restaurants, for example, we just cut because the restaurants were shut down, right? So that all got cut into um, production capacity, got redirected towards serving the community. So we've ended up doing these care packages that go out once a month, and those are delivered to people's doorsteps and um, are intended to ensure that people who are immune compromised, um, the elderly, people who have certain diseases, don't have to go to stores and don't have to expose themselves anything any more than necessary, you know? Um, And then we just had a lot of real, a surge of interest in our TSA. 
The TSA is their tribal-supported agriculture, which is a box of produce of the latest harvest. So a lot of folks were like, wow, I went to the store and I couldn't mm-hmm. find this or I couldn't find that. You know, mm-hmm. um, Stuff wasn't showing up on the shelves of grocery stores as consistently. And I think we went from being something that provided sort of a almost a luxury service in good times to something that provided a real need in hard times. And we were able to make that shift and that felt really good. There's definitely this renewed appreciation for these things that are able to provide when the systems around you are, are less reliable. Um, and sustainability. I mean, the idea that, that, that the broader food system could suffer these setbacks, whether they be temporary or permanent, um, I, think, I think makes you feel like you should take care of your land and your 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 ability to to provide that. Thank you so much to Matt Smells for chatting about Wajupi Tribal Gardens. Find out more about Wajupi Tribal Gardens on Facebook or online at wajupi.com. W-O-Z-U-P-I.com. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. Next up, a conversation about food and a message about living in harmony with the earth. Reporter Melissa Townsend spoke with Hope Flanagan from Tanawanda Reservation. She is the community outreach and cultural teacher at the Dream of Wild Health Farm in Hugo, Minnesota. Here's their conversation. So, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Dream Wild Health in Danoki. Um, so what I'm saying is my uh, my traditional name, my Ojibwe name is Little Wind Woman. My English name is Hope. My clan is Turtle. Um, I'm from Tarawanda Reservation, and right now I'm working at Dream the Dream Wild Health Farm, and uh, we work with young people. We're teaching about food, about growing our traditional foods and growing our old uh, historic seeds, but also growing other foods to share with our community, our Native community in the Minneapolis, Twin City, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Awesome. You know, I was just interested in talking about how the growing season might have been different because of COVID and the work that you're doing in terms of traditional teachings related to growing and planting and harvesting. I think there's so many lessons that can come out of this time that's hard, but in some ways it feels like it's a healing time because, well, one of the places you're safest is outside and being with the plants. And I know for me, that's something I've done is to be out with the plants and be reminded of the beauty that's around us all the time. One of the things I always say is when you work with plants, the gifts that they give are food, medicine, utility, and breath. Basically, everything that we have here comes from the plants. Yeah. It's very true. If you go back to our stories, you know, like in the wintertime, I'm a storyteller and that those stories were given to me by Ona Kingbird from Panema. One of the stories that I'm required to tell is about how we're like the two little twin babies in the cradle board. And the animals and the plants have been so generous to us that they all lined up saying, oh, these poor 
young ones that don't know much. They don't know how to take care of themselves. And so, like, every plant came and gave its specific gift, and every animal came, every insect came, every living being came and gave their specific gifts. And the babies were still not happy, (laughs) and they still wanted more. They didn't even want to come outside of their cradle board. So that's kind of what I see as a possibility with what's happening right now. If we stay in our cradle boards, we're not going to move. We're not going to walk. We're not going to stay vital. We're not going to learn from those plants and those animals. What we were told is those are our elders. They were here before us. They know how to live on this earth. And our job is to pay attention to them and find out how are we supposed to live in harmony with this earth because, you know, we're the newcomers who are endangering ourselves. So, like, get out of your cradle board and and learn from the elders? Is that the idea? Yeah, get out of your cradle board and start spending time outside. Learn about growing food. I mean, we all know that, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen next. And one of the things we know as Native people is there's been hardship times where, you know, like here in Minnesota, at least, we know that there were times when there was very little food. I mean, when the trees were taken down, when all the lumber was harvested and there was hardly anything to eat, and we got to the point where we had to eat the bar- the inner bark of the trees, and one of the few things left was the little animals, like the rabbits. They kept us going, you know, and thankfully for the rice, you know, the rice kept us going and we went to made it when the trees were taken. And we know historically that over and over again, I hate to sound controversial, but it's true that we've been manipulated by food. Oh, say more. What do you mean? Well, when people can't sustain themselves through food, then they're easy to conquer. I mean, people have said that for years. One of the things that was said was, and we, we remember hearing this about that it would be less expensive to kill off the buffalo than to shoot every Indian. That was actually said. That was brought to the forefront. So if you kill off the buffalo, it's cheaper to control the people because they can't eat. And that was clearly, if you look at the history of how it was, that was one way to control the people. When people didn't have enough to eat, they were much easier to control. Mm. So there's power in knowing how to grow food and right. be, yeah. Right. I mean, if you can look at it, how much does it cost? You know, like, okay, so we're going to buy food from China and think of all the carbon that's put into the atmosphere or think of all the energy that's used to ship it from China to here. Then you think about what did, what kind of herbicides or pesticides did they use? I know what you mean. Mm. So um, when it's local, when you know your farmer, you can say, what do you use as your fertilizer? Well, we don't basically use much fertilizer because our soil is good, you know, or we use a little bit of turkey poop or we use ground fish. Mm. But if you look at it in terms of like old style native thinking, it's like this. So when a plant grows where it wants to grow, say it, you say it in Ojibwe, it's a wing siog. Those plants are growing wherever they want to grow. They're growing next to their quote unquote supporters, you know. And now we know for certain that there's 
fungi in the soil or there's other kinds of plants next to them that are communicating with them through the root system. Through some of the work to University of British Columbia, they've been saying, well, you look at, say, a birch tree and a balsam fir tree, and you'll see that the birch tree is giving medicine through its root system. It's giving a, a chemical called betulin to the balsam fir tree, and the balsam fir tree in the wintertime is passing food or, you know, fructose to the birch tree. So they're communicating through their root systems all the time. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. So a wild plant is going to have a higher food value and a higher medicinal value. So part of this whole COVID thing, we've been operating off of food that doesn't have food value. I mean, so many of our young ones are, you know, if they're eating stuff that's grown off of bad soil, which a lot of our soil is really depleted in this country. Or if you have stuff that's sprayed with poisons, you know, like pesticides, herbicides, or it's genetically modified, like most of the corn or most of the soybeans or most of the rice, you know, most of it is genetically modified. We have no idea. Nobody really knows what that does to a human body. Mm. But I would pretty much guarantee you, because we can see, does it have niacin? No. Does it have protein? No. Does it, you know, so you can eliminate, but you can't say, what are the other effects from eating calories that don't produce a support for your living biology? Well, Hope, is there anything else you wanted to maybe say just about how COVID has affected your thinking and your practices yeah. right now? Um, I do think that COVID has increased a fear level that goes from anxiety and distress into depression or violence. And I think people have been so upset by not knowing what to do that it does stir up that kind of not knowing what to do. So being in a state of uh, foment, maybe you want to say, agitation. So to me, the best thing you can do is be outside, be with the plants, be with our plant and animal relatives and pray, you know, put down your tobacco, say your thank yous that you had food today and that you had water today and you had uh get back to our thank yous, you know. Awesome. Well, Hope, thank you again for making time for yeah. me today and you have a great weekend, okay? Okay, thank you. This time of healing that Hope talks about carries a lot of meaning for me. The added stresses and unknowns stemming from the pandemic are very present. The message of learning from the plants and the animals to get out in nature and look around, be grateful, are all ways in which we can support our health and spirits. Throughout conversations I've had over the last several months, it's clear that more and more people are looking to our first medicines, local foods, and more sustainable practices, honoring the knowledge and wisdom of our ancestors and those continued innovations for times to come. And it's great to hear from folks working to help our communities through those lifeways. Thank you to Hope Flanagan, Matt Smaus, Megan Schnitker, and Chaz Wagner for sharing your words and perspectives with us today on COVID-19 Community Conversations. 
And thank you for listening today. Chimigwech, Gigawabamen, and I wish you health. I'm Leah Lem. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. There are so many people we've talked to during the pandemic, and all those conversations can be found on our Minnesota Native News website, mnnativenews.org. We have this program, COVID-19, Community Conversations, plus much more, including quick daily updates and a weekly health report from Minnesota Native communities, mnnativenews.org, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.